Now, you do a filtered version. Everyone's choosing which picture. I'm not going to put the picture on where I'm crying over, you know, being sad because one of my kids talked back to me and we had a whole moment. You know, like that's not going yeah. on Instagram. Um, but or, or hopefully no social media, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That time I got dumped. You know, Unless like, hey, you're that you Hey doll, it's the Gaily Dose, a group of gay men who have fun, elevated conversation to build a deeper sense of community in our gay world. Check us out at thegailydose.com or at the Gaily Dose Pod on all social media. Girl, you better come get your Gaily Dose. Welcome to the Gaily Dose. Girl. This is Homo Lucero Domogolski. I am Jake Jones. What's going on uh, remotely? It's Zach. Yes, Zach, and we are missing today Mr. Dante and Daniel. They are both out, one for play, one for work. You can guess which one. Um, and today we're actually going to bring you a dose of social media. Um, a few things before we jump into, uh, I want to know about New Year's and how you guys both, uh, how you both fared in the holiday. Um, but we do uh, bring you this episode sponsored by AHF. AHF is the premier and best way to get your gay health. Um, even when you don't have the ability to pay, check them out at ahf.org. Um, do that. And then also, if you want to be a sponsor, um, email us, marketing at thegaylados.com. We'd be happy to have you sponsor one of our segments. So with that, I'll ask you boys, how was your new year? I had such a good New Year's. I kept it so low-key. I wanted to keep it chill. You know, we're a little nervous about COVID, little COVID coming around. I don't know anybody who wasn't sick in the past two weeks, I'd say. So I kept it a little chill with a house party over at Dante's. Zach, what exactly were you up to? <laughs> well, we actually all rang in the New Year all together, all what? four of us. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you know, our, our boy Daniel wasn't there to join us, but um, he was there in spirit. Um, I kept it low-key at Dante's house for sure, but then definitely went out after. And that's where I think I got sick. So now I'm here remotely from my house because I don't want to get y'all sick. So I hope it's not COVID. I haven't tested yet. I'm not sure what it is, but I woke up feeling terrible and now I'm feeling a little bit better. So we shall see. But with the help of Diane Crow. I am here with y'all in spirit and virtually and yes, correct yes. And, that's, and that's Di Diane Crow from the Diane Crow show. Um, you can find her information on our website, thegillydose.com. If you'll notice, I'm actually a little bit more calm this recording because I'm not trying to navigate running all the sound and video from a little tablet. Diane is here doing that for us. So hopefully I can be a little bit more in the moment. Absolutely. Uh, but we're super, super proud of her and happy to have her on our team. Um, with that, we're going to start off with our first segment. Oh, girl, turn that down. Queer and Events is on. All right, Queer and Events it is. It's sponsored by Joining Hearts, committed to making a tremendous difference in Atlanta. And join the family and the fight by visiting joininghearts.org. We are going to jump right into it. A topic that me and Jake are really passionate about. They just sent the convictions down the line for Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos. This is a crazy story. Jake, you're going to have to help me with this one, but it's essentially like this woman in Silicon Valley. She was like, hey, instead of like sending pints of blood to get 
your physical done and to get screened for 230 diseases, we'll just send you a kit. You put one like drop of blood on it, send it back to us and we'll screen for all those things. Exactly. Well, essentially exactly. it didn't work. It didn't work at all. It didn't work at all. So she she built up this company over this notion of let's change the way we discover healthcare. And she thought that in going down to just a little droplet of blood, she thought she was inventing the technology to be able to do that. And in all honestly, in all honesty, she was just fraudulently creating this company that was worth over nine billion dollars in its height. And then it all felt like a house of cards. It was all a big fraud scheme. And she, this is live breaking news tonight, she just got um, a guilty charge, four different guilty charges out of 11 completely. And the story of Elizabeth Holmes is outstanding. It's out of this world. I've never heard a company go up to a height like it did and then fall overnight. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, and she's it's one of those girl. things like in, in Silicon Valley, like, of course, you're going to have that little bit of like exaggeration. You're going to try to talk your company up. You're going to try to, you know, hype it up to a certain degree. But like when you're literally lying about what technology you have and it's a matter of life and death, which is like taking it to a whole nother extreme. It's like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. She sent these kits out and like diagnosed people with diseases they didn't even have, yeah, and vice versa. This like, is didn't one of those even where it's like the ethics, right, of being a CEO. This is actually healthcare tech is my industry, and I I have met so many CEOs as I've been sort of interviewing at different roles or different jobs I've had, and sometimes they are a little disconnected, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately. That's your responsibility to know what's really going on in the company or know and trust the people that you're working with. So whether she was being fed something from someone else or whatever, it's ultimately hers to sort of be at the helm of. Honestly, Zach, I agree with you a ton. I think a lot of startups are going through like this huge inflation period. I think about the way we work just like heightened because of their CEO and all these investments coming in. And then they lost a ton of valuation just overnight because people were like, what are you? Are you tech? Are you real estate? All these little startup CEOs, excuse me, I don't want to say little, but all these CEOs really talk a big game. And startups have just so much heat under them before they even make money, you know? Yeah, no, and it's part of the model, really, because really? you're kind of selling futures, but it is... Uh, one of those things we've got to find a better way mm -hmm. to, to take care of our, our dough because people are investing. <laughs> and this truly was worst case scenario with Elizabeth Holmes. So sorry, sister, you tried to reach for a dream. Even though it was there, you got ethics <laughs> out of the window. So um, it just yeah, didn't you work can't, out. You, can't, you, know what you I mean? can't go that far. It's almost like the Enron of our time. You know yes, what I mean? I like, think so too. Oh my God, a little it's a, lesser scale. Lesser yeah. scale, absolutely, because there wasn't much absolute. But that's a great way to put it, honestly. Um, but yeah, Elizabeth Holmes, see a sister, um, to talk about in a higher regard, a few other women this week, we have a, t a few trans women that we want to highlight in our queer events. More recently, the Amy Schneider, the yes. highest earning winner of Jeopardy yes. is a trans female yes. and she has been all over the media and we are just so proud of her. Yeah. She's an engineer, super smart, highest winning Which, ever. Yeah. yeah. Highest ever? Yeah. Female. Highest female earnings, well, female earnings ever. Correct, Amundo. 
we're both Schneiders, but we don't. It's spelled a little bit different, and I do not know her. She's not part of my family, but if she were, you know, I'd be hitting her up for some cash right now. It's crazy. Yes. Nobody asked, Zach, <laughs> but we know how much you dislike Alex Trebek, oh. and that's bad. <laughs> I love Alex Trebek. <laughs> I'm playing with you. But yes, and incredible news as well. Um, but moving on to a little sadder news, um, April Ashley was the first known trans model who mm -hmm. modeled for Vogue um, in 1960. She has died at the age of 86. She was such a breakthrough um, for society, such an important legacy right there. Yeah, 1960, um, which I think actually, what a celebration. And she was sort of one of those early, early people that kind of stood out amongst, um, amongst her peers. and. You know, I mean, wait. So she did she model as a trans person? She was. Um, she was. For, she was the. She's the first known model that was with Vogue that was trans. Now I think there were always. You know, trans models could kind of be unknown, right? Kind of hide their um, yeah. their identity from that perspective. But um, she was known to be. Um, yeah, I think what we're seeing now is a transition between like models that are known as trans that are like making covers and making and making themselves models in that world when back in the 60s and 70s i don't even think that could be possible you know no it would have been hidden probably yeah um but it is a, a celebration to see that absolutely. that, that happened and um and she has a life well led yeah absolutely i was gonna say 86 years old you can't ask for you can't ask for much more than that that's great um and then the last topic that we have um really interesting topic it actually kind of dovetails with the last two so um in trans news there are these these laws popping up around the country it's called the panic defense laws and it's essentially like and and avery kind of talked to us our uh, trans friend here at the gaily dose avery talked about um essentially if she brings a man home and they don't realize that she's trans that they can essentially assault her or like kill her and they they have a defense to say that they panicked quote unquote because of her, her because she's trans essentially and are alone. These, these laws popping up are they new or are these existing laws that are just not being addressed to deal with the trans topic i think that they're i think that they're trying to address them slowly but surely but I, I also do think that they are, there are states that are continuing to defend them, and I think that's why they're in the news right now. Yeah, my understanding is there's a couple states, right, I thought, that, that are still, like, allowing for these to be used. One of them is Georgia, I believe, um, where we kind of haven't gone up and cleaned up the law to make sure that trans lives are protected. So that's definitely something that um, we should be addressing and speaking to our Congress yeah. people about. And it's sad, I think the panic defense also gets into the umbrella of self-defense. There's a lot of protections you have when you are using self-defense um, to keep you out of the court of law or keep yourself liable. And it sounds like maybe states are just finding a way to make it a discriminatory panic defense. Yeah, and imagine? to be honest, that's absolutely horrible. Self-defense acts are there for a reason and I just think Oh it's just crazy what people are coming up with that are that's just so discriminatory you know yeah, can you I can't believe it. oh my gosh you like cosplay i mean yeah. come on you know like, yeah i, I also, I also think about i also yeah, think about the law when it comes with like fighting you know 
fighting, you know, if somebody comes at you with a fist, like you can go at them with a fist. If somebody comes at you with a knife, like, but like literally somebody just being trans and you can literally attack them. That doesn't even make sense to me. Like, you know, like equal force with equal force when it comes to the law or, you know, um, or just yeah. a pedestrian. I just think it's we crazy. Just have a, I don't, we just have a lot more work to do in these areas as we kind of make sure that the rest of our rainbow community is covered. And, and so we have some more work to do here for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, with that, I think we're going to focus a little bit on someone we want to call out in our community. We know it took some time, but we got your human heart on. So I love that intro. Yeah, I know, I know. So I have the, I know. It. Whatever. So like, I'm like kind of sexual in it. What in it? Whatever. I don't know. Um, human heart. <laughs> so I have, I have the human heart on today, and uh, my human heart on today is for Betty White. Uh, Who is it? Betty, Let's be honest. I know, and um, obviously Girl. we're re recording this fresh off the news of her her departure, and um, really just what a standout human in general and a light to so many people. Um, watching her stuff over the, the last uh, day has just been delightful and tears at the same time too, and happiness. Mm -hmm. She has a great career if you look at what she's done, but um, particular for our community, you know, she kind of stood up early and said, hey, it's it's, you can't use a different generation, different era as an excuse. Um, she was very openly for gay marriage before um, before other key people were. Um, and then like, hello, the Golden Girls. I mean, they were just amazing in setting a standard for talking about a lot of gay issues at a time that they just weren't comfortable to speak about at home, so. There's also such a fondness for gays with the Golden Girls, even if it wasn't like so literally just in their narrative, right? I, specifically with Betty White, don't know like tons about her, but I know for a fact she might be one of the most well-regarded people in history. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody Absolutely. who talks about Betty White just has a light inside of them and is just like, she is a pumpkin to the nth degree. And yeah. Me even not knowing her, maybe growing up in a little bit of a younger generation, the casual things she would show up in. She has such a youthful spirit. She was so cute. Um, and she made it to 99. Yeah. So I think yeah. she probably yeah, checked off more. the box and said, I lived a life. She did. Right? Yeah. I also, you know, it's also one of those things. I, I actually watched the um, documentary on Netflix on her. Fantastic. What a great uh, use of time. Um, but they talked about how of course, she was such a great actress. She started, she she was in um, so many things for so many decades. She was a trailblazer for women, right, um, in general. She was the one of the first women to have her own named show on television back in the 60s. Um, just crazy amount of, of credentials. But, you know, she was also the, that person that when when she when the golden girls was over and people stopped seeing her on screen she they their her agent and her made a conscious decision to make her more relevant by doing nfl commercials and bringing her into roasts and bringing her into yeah. like places that you wouldn't expect her and so the next generation can fall in love with her like you were saying jake like i don't really you may not know her but you definitely know her like popping up in different um just random random funny things where he, she just makes these crazy jokes another thing that um it, is really notable about her is i keep seeing these things on social media and they keep saying like 
on her real 100th birthday on the 17th, just a few days away, um, they want everybody to donate like $5 to an animal shelter or an animal cause because that's what she loved. She connected with animals so much. And she even said like, that's how she thinks she learned kindness and empathy is through yeah. animals. And I just yeah. love that. Like, you know me, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm the only one on the cast that has an animal dog. Um, but Daniel, Daniel I also too. have a dog. Yeah. What? Yeah, you got. Yeah, maybe get to know me, Zach. Before <laughs> you're just so sorry. yelling shit out. But you know, these new cast members, I don't even know. She I didn't know that Daniel a... had a dog. Yeah, she's too. Hello, dude, bro. Where you been? I've got a, I've got a dog been... named Phoebe, and she's 12 years old. She's basically girl. I've, white. I've okay. been to Daniel's house, and I didn't see a dog. Yeah, where the hell was it? Open your observations, uh, traits. He well, anyway, so as a as a huge dog lover with a dog daughter, love Betty White, Don't gonna miss her. Guys. But you literally couldn't ask for more. I mean, she lived to essentially a hundred years old, which is amazing. And number yeah, two, I, I think she died on purpose because she didn't want to ruin the whole year for us. Honestly. <laughs> I, I think uh, what I what I have mad respects for too is that she had the talent to be able to do this kind of live programming yeah. and was witty on the fly. And, and it's not easy. Point you, to a point that you made, she basically kept visible enough so that we could still love her. And that's important if you think about an aging woman to still get up in front of a camera and make people Absolutely. laugh and love you. And then therefore the legacy of the messages she had to share still live yeah. on so and, ha and still old, have that comedic timing big old I mean, for our our ally um betty white just love her truly so, truly yes and with that we're gonna do a little double click let's zoom into that doll and double click all right, so I feel a little bit aggressive here because I got this one too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're just spotlights on today, baby. I know, so the double click is so funny because Dante had said, oh, we'll see if Helmut lets anyone do it and maybe he's gonna be right, we'll see. Okay. I just, um, we had last time, last week, we talked dolls about software and hardware and focusing in on our software. And I know that we're giving this segment just a little bit of time, but these are actually important concepts that I would, encourage you to think more about and really truly take this as like an encouragement. If you're not a big spiritual person, if you're not a big self-help person, um, we're trying to instill some pearls for you to maybe think about besides our main topic. And the one concept I want to talk to you today about was that our software, you kind of get your first download from your of your software from your family, right? Your mom, your dad, or those figures, or whoever was taking care of you when you were young. Um, they gave you your first view of the world and the rules to live by. But we're all flawed people. And some people's parents didn't have great software to give. They gave the best they could. And that's all our parents hopefully do is they do the best that they can. Um, but that's your first download. And I think it's a really important thing with download. I'm, I'm just living for these analogies it's, of it's, like... Your family structure is actually your family software. And it it's is. Just, it, it like <laughs> it genuinely makes sense. It's totally right. It's, it's, it's just like, really cute. And how do I download this? Yeah. So but think about it. You learn it through <laughs> other people. And so one of the things I would encourage you is, A, you really need to know that, you know, you have a first set of software. That's not everything. Like a lot of your life, you should be questioning the way you view finances, the way you view relationships, the way you view sex, yes. the way you view your job, the way Bible. you view your body and self-image. They're all so shaped by that first set of software. Absolutely. Unless you're willing to challenge it and see maybe through 
downloading other people and experiencing life with other people, look for their values. See where maybe someone's learned something that you can like change out, but don't feel compelled to just stay in that. And I would just question, a lot of times we default to that software first because it's what we learned. And I think it's an advanced skill to start going like, hey, wait a second, why do I do this here? How do I do something different? And notice in other things like other friends that you have and other role models that you have that you can um, you can change your software. Just know that that's the first thing. And Lord knows I need a few iOS updates, let's yeah. be honest. And you know the best strategy to do that? Therapy. They take you back. They get you going into that software and saying, maybe we should open that hard drive and touch a couple things and do an iOS update. And a place you can find all your healthcare needs and therapy is ahf.org. So remember that they've got your resources. And I appreciate you just making these double clicks because yeah. we gotta. Yeah, we had to work on things. Yeah, do you, we, um, Zach, do you have any, did you found that to be true if you look back on your own life and your family? Yeah, I think that um, part of the, the past generation, you know, our parents, um, it was it was the, one of the first generations that they had to deal with um, gay issues and trans issues and people being out and people being and, and having ch children and sons that were gay openly. And so I think that there wasn't necessarily sometimes a rule book um, for for this, you know, for having a gay child or a trans child. And so I think I think that you have to, to some degree, um, take that into consideration if your parents weren't as supportive as supportive as you wish they were, um, and also understand that you're not the only one who is learning and growing. Your parents are as well. Um, they, they as, yeah, to some degree, I your parents were, were children or you know, or, or very young when they had you. So. I, I always think like if if I didn't feel supported at some point in my life with my father, I always try to give him take it, with, take it with a grain of salt because I also realize that you know he's learning and growing and I'm the first you know gay person that he's come into contact with on a more intimate level. So that's the way I yeah, think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes it can even be about undoing that, those ideas that your parents might have on you, you know? We as gay people constantly sit here and say, you know, there's a lot of judgments we carry from our parents. So I think what Helmut is really getting at and the idea of this segment really today is about trying to undo any family programming we have and letting our software just ride completely on its own. It's important to make those software updates to configure and download who you really are. Do you hear me out there? So uh, this was <laughs> maintaining your software, a little double click uh, by the ever famous helmet. Let's <laughs> right, go. Right, I had to get off screen. Um, <clears throat> My only other comment I was going to make is that <laughs> yes, I, I also think it's a generational challenge. So older generations were taught to not question the software, right? Don't yes. question things, stay inside the lines. And we're, we've transitioned into, yes, we can try a lot of different software. My other thought was just be careful who you're getting your advice from, right? Just know that the higher yep. quality friends you keep, the people that are successful, that have good advice, are definitely the people to listen into. So Absolutely. whether it's your podcasts or whatever. Um, yeah, generational norms for sure, Helmut, when it comes to women being able to work, women being the bread makers, men being feminine, gay people being, you know, feminine. 
gay, gay people being themselves, not gay people not being in the closet, all of these things, trans people actually existing, right? <laughs> My parents didn't even know they existed until the last five years, right? So yeah. like I said, yeah. it's, and we're, it's and these we're writing, like generational differences. We're writing the book now. That's what's interesting is yes. we're sort of each writing our new scripts and it's, uh, it can be a time when it feels like, what am I doing? But just uh, use that lens and know that that's your base and go from there. So that was our, that was our little, little double, double click, click yeah. baby. Our double click. Have you heard of AHF? AHF is a global nonprofit that provides cutting edge medicine and advocacy to people everywhere. Regardless of your socioeconomic standing, they provide services that help our community, such as free STD testing. With your support, 96 cents of every dollar earned at their pharmacy goes towards helping HIV and AIDS medical services everywhere. If you want to find out more, go to ahf.org or hivcare.org today. A dose of social media. Dolls. We're going to talk today about social media, and this is actually something we touched a little bit on in our first season, but I thought it'd be great to bring on some new blood and talk yeah. about it. I'm the new, hot, fresh, like, true blood, right? Right, Is I that how so. you feel about it? Well, that's, that's what we'll say. I mean, so I think about it in the frame of so many people these days have social media, right? Yeah. It almost seems like a certificate to, like, legitimize your online presence. And it almost feels like the only form of your online presence. The way I think about how gays do social media makes that a totally different experience. I don't know if you feel that way. No, for sure. In fact, why do you think it's different with gays? I think for gays, maybe, and I could be in a box. So somebody stepped me outside of this box. But in the gay male world, and it could be my age as well, it really feels like aesthetics, physical aesthetics, is the number one passing category that you need to have or possess or show on social media. Um, I definitely think there's some truth to that. If you think about it, it's very much, the way I try to describe this to people is it's kind of like females. Females emphasize or often are taught to emphasize the exterior because they're hunting for men. Just terrible, but that's kind of a norm and they often are very critical with each other as they compete for those resources traditionally for the child they're going to have right so you kind of flip that script a little bit and gay men are still attracted physically visually like straight men are but they're attracted to other gay men and now you're actually trying to vie for someone who looks like you so you're it's actually like desiring some like yourself in a way yeah. so you can appreciate it and then if you have it there's that aspect so we kind of like and then there's a, over, there's a really strong emphasis on our sexuality being our defining characteristic mm -hmm. um, when being gay affects so many other dimensions of our being. Yeah. So yeah, social media is the perfect playground for us to just go crazy. Yeah, and everybody here probably, as you're getting to know me as Jake Jones, knows that I'm probably trying to build some type of face and personality online. So my idea for me specifically is this level of like, I want to market, I want to brand myself. And I think that might be like one of the only differences I bring to like my social media specifically. But I still have touches of like gayness, right? So I personally still sit there and I'm like, I feel like if I post a body pic, right, this might get some traction. The zaddies might come to this yard. And I think <laughs> it's, it's kind of a dose daily of the superficialness maybe that we all possess 
to a certain degree, right? I'm not saying everybody has like a huge degree of superficiality, but um, I don't know. For me, for me, it can be so fun. Like I remember the origin stories of like my social media experience, that first like MySpace day. Yeah. <laughs> and just being able to connect literally with my classmates. Fast forward, I have nearly every platform I can imagine because I've been told you need to be across the board on every cruise ship when it comes to platforms. So I've got it all. Yeah. And I can't even fucking keep up. <laughs> well, Zach, Zach, how do you feel about this? Do you agree with some of the comments we've made? You know, I think that I came from a way different generation than, than Jake. I feel like MySpace and Facebook were really just to keep up with, you know, friends and events and birthdays. <laughs> like, um, And so when... When Instagram launched in, I don't, years ago, 2011, maybe? I can't even remember. I, I didn't get on it until like three years ago. So it took me a long time to start like adapting to different um, uh, platforms. I um, And I'm not even on, like, I'm not even on TikTok. I'm not on, I'm barely on Twitter. Um, I've tried to grow my Instagram a little bit, but I also realized like there are some, I, I guess I'm, I'm part of the generation that it's like, if I want to start something, it's not going to be like an, it's not going to be like a, I'm not going to become, become like an Instagram or TikTok star. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to, I want to start a business. Like I'm, I'm launching a design business actually this week um, where I'm helping people design their kitchens and baths. So yes. mine's more like for some, marketing. for <laughs> marketing um, for me, it, it, it's one of those things that's just like, I, I, it's, it's more tangible. It's, it's, I'm going to put my efforts into like creating a business versus like branding myself. And I think yeah. it's like very, very much two different mindsets. I've noticed a transition actually. And, and a lot of gays have established this initial base and initially maybe it's over the ego as kind of, um, Jake, you were describing initially, or it's, um, or it's, you know, to get laid. I mean, a lot of, if you think Correct. about it, a lot of gay guys are using this as a predominant Correct. platform, right? To kind of get yes. trade, find trade. Yes. Um, and, and I'm not gonna shame that, but I also think um, our hyper focus on it, right? Puts mm. so much pressure on people to have the right angles, mm. the, right, the right pictures or whatever. And then that's a lot of pressure lot yeah for some people and then you know um, for speaking, for, speaking for me i feel like i i sometimes go too much far too far in my head where it's like oh did i look good enough was i skinny enough did i work out enough did i eat healthy enough and then when i post the picture like i literally judge my self-worth on whether or not it is liked enough or likes. if it's yeah you know what i mean you know what yeah, i mean like i i think i think that I think that there's like, we're gonna talk about like there's good and then there's bad. And I think that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of studies that have come out and said like people that scroll through social media um, a high amount have depression. Um, and yeah, I think that comes yes. from, you know, body body issues or, you know, or, or being being scared or being upset that they don't have the, the willpower to maybe cre create or be funny or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. be, the the, be the people the they see on the screen. Or the socioeconomic value, right? Like, hey, I'm not off on a boat in Paris. I'm yeah. not off on a exactly. trip to Tel Aviv. You know, you know one thing, I'm, and Zach, tell me if you're seeing this, but at the end of 2021 specifically, 
there was this one like reel that just kept going around with like an Adele Bruno Mars mashup. And I swore I saw 13 million people jumping off of a boat in Mexico. And I was like, where the fuck are people getting tickets to Mexico? In which <laughs> boat is this? Yes. But when I when I think about social media, I kind of like go back to this um, keeping up with the Joneses, as mm-hmm. the Jay Joneses, mm-hmm. right? And I think about like how when I was growing up, social media was not even a thing yet. But my dad would have this mentality with our neighbor of like, Oh well, he got the new flat screen from Best Buy, and that yeah, shit was yeah. lit. Yeah. And then we would go to Costco, and he'd be like, "Wait, do you think we Terry got this? Do you think we should get it now?" And then I think about it these days, and I'm like, maybe that keeping up with the Joneses has now translated just to an online form, and maybe yes. now since our surface of social media is visual mostly, it has now become just an aesthetic visual basis of keeping up with the gens. It can be. And so I was going to say, like, I've noticed some gays are transitioning their brands that they've developed into companies or to other things that they're doing. Um, what's interesting to me is I, I, I fall, obviously, I'm older than both of you. What? I know. Um, but I, I've always enjoyed social media. Initially, it was totally like, take pictures of my family. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then for me, I always bifurcated. I was like, my first Facebook, I had like, my close friends that knew I was gay, bifurcated, like, cut in two. And then I had, like, you know, the people who didn't know I was gay. And then I slowly had to merge those things, right? And then you start to go, okay, now you get your Instagram. And then it's, you know how people, it's so funny, people will be, like, slutty on Instagram, but then their Facebook's, like, they're at, like, you know, church Church, or whatever. So it's, like, how do you start to delve those together? Right? How do you make sure? Well, I'm just a real bitch, right. and I'm real on every. And that's platform. what that's Slut. what's interesting because when you start to really just be yourself, yeah. right? Now you okay. do a filtered version. Everyone's choosing which picture. I'm not going to put the picture on where I'm crying over, you know, being sad because one of my kids talked back to me and we had a whole moment. You know, like that's not going yeah. on Instagram. Um, but or, or hopefully no social media, right? Yeah, or, I don't know. That time I got dumped. You're Unless like, hey, you're that you know, like, <laughs> hey. Yeah. But, um, but I think some authenticity, I mean, my big hope is that with this, we kind of take our visual on social and really get into the real people part, the feeling part. Zach, tell me this. Do you almost feel like social media in its computer form on your phone has become an extension of a friend? Yes. The only reason I'm asking that is because when Helmut just said like, I am starting to see so many people feeling comfort in being vulnerable online to the point of possibly even crying to their camera. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, social media has now become a threshold or a place where people can be that vulnerable. The audience is now through the roof. Yeah. I, I think I think people are really like something that I get really frustrated with, um, and you're way more in the realm, Jake, than I am, but something that I get frustrated in is when I'm scrolling, and I can't get, I can't download TikTok on my phone, my company forbids it because of the China issue, um, but I, but me, when I scroll through, like, reels on Instagram, it's the same shit. It's the same, like, oh, like, I have the gibberish thing on my forehead, or I have, like, um, what are the, all the trends? Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the, yeah. The dog, the dog filter with the same audio or the blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's like, why are people more like 
why isn't there more content creation? I, I, so, I maybe that's maybe that's more of like a TikTok thing versus like an Instagram thing. But I was about it's like to the say, same trending crap all the time, and people aren't even being that authentic. Like that's and that's why I kind of like I I think we want to we want to make the Gaily Dose video TikTok Instagram t- Twitter because we want to create. Um, you know, content that's new and different and authentic versus seeing the same crap on on TikTok. I love I love the content that I'm seeing on TikTok and Instagram when it's like new and different and um, and funny and creative. But I, I like I said, I keep seeing the same crap, and it's like I feel like there's I th- feel like there's there's like a, a, there's something missing there. Like there's a a whole genre that people are really craving with I... when it comes to like. Yeah. So I would say, okay, this is kind of the way I break it down in my mind. I think TikTok is that place for like really creative content creation, but the trends can be there. And this is the one thing I can say that I think is beneficial about social media and the trends is this idea of community. When they see one friend do it, another friend feels motivated to do it. And when two friends have done the same video, they're like, oh my God, that was so cute. Or let's be honest, when TikTok first started and these trends got around, so many people went home to their families and were, and were like, mom, do a TikTok with me. And think about how cute of an experience that was, right? Don't get me wrong. Has that trend, have the trends really been filtered out to like bring in more creative content? Not necessarily, but that can also be a reflection of society. That right I will there. say that I have done that with my daughters. I've tried to incorporate my parents even. The intergenerational piece is fun, but I think you're right. Some TikTok creators are fantastic, right? And I get like daily inspirations from some of them on TikTok. Yeah. I think it's all about what you follow. Like it's almost as if what we're in in the new world is that like if everyone's able to go out there and create at some level, you can choose. <laughs> what software you want to download every day. Back to my little, but I'm serious. You can choose who are you going to follow? Are they going to be, so I'll use an example. This is something I've had to do as a way to like guard myself in social. I have to stop following the thoughts on Instagram, right? I don't want to wake up in the morning and compare myself to people I'm never going to look like, or I am never going to have the wealth they have to be in these places. I try to follow people that I genuinely like, or that interests me in some way that they're living their life. I like to follow local people that when I connect with them, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I love that this just happened. But that's a lens I had to use because I had to stop filtering out the negative messages social was giving me. And even now, I still struggle with comparison. And that is that the root of a lot of sadness. And when we compare ourselves with, you know, if we're there and it's encouraging, awesome. If it's giving you some, you know, some good value, great. Um, but when it's just a place for you to compare yourself and feel less than, that's just negative. You got to rethink what you're looking at. Yeah, I was laughing during the entirety of that because you're like, let me unfollow the thoughts. And I did the Gaily Dose takeover this past weekend on New Year's Day, to be specific. And it was so funny. Like every time, and I'm going to eat you for yeah. this because every time I would go back to the Gaily Dose feed, I swear to God, it was like a shirtless dude and I was just cracking up. And I think we have the right initiative, right? Where it's like, let's get the gay community that we know closely to interact with our own Instagram and then we can go from there. But I completely agree with you. I can admit something right now 
especially like with the algorithm of it, like if I like one thing on TikTok and it's like a little bit thoughty and it might be like an attractive dude, TikTok will be like, I got you. And TikTok will throw a million more <laughs> my way. And then I it's open my TikTok and I'm like, I am a slut. And social media can make me see, look into a mirror back at myself and call myself a slut. So I'm just saying there's, there's benefits to social media. And then there's also some um, hard, hard mirrors you got to look into, right? Yeah, and it's not going to, it's not, here's the thing, it's not going to parent you. No. It is going to give you what you want. Uh, and that isn't necessarily what you need. Um, did you guys see the Netflix show, Don't Look Up? Oh my God, I started that last night, but then I fell asleep. (laughs) Swear to God, I was so tired. Well, it's really, check it out, but it kind of plays with this whole thing of like real news coming out and then it not being good for social media and like it being a manipulated thing. It's, that's the one part about social media. Like the average person should not be the bar necessarily, right? For like the news we're getting or the messages we're hearing. Um, the informed perspective should be. And that's something we have to be careful about. Social media is not the source of truth. Absolutely. Um, so tell me from you guys' perspective, any other comments on how, um, how you think it hurts us in the gay community or how it helps us in the gay community? So I would love to just speak to like when I make a post. Sometimes, and you guys are getting into like the inner cracks of my brain because this is about to get vulnerable, but we, we search for validation in some regards. So Zach, when you were saying like, oh, I post a photo and I look for, look for a certain number of likes, so, sometimes, if not every time, let me be honest, I will throw out a post, whether it's marketing my YouTube channel or me just being a goof, I will do it for validation. Okay. And I have to get real about it. I that. used to do that. So and that's cool. It would be a top. I don't even want to say work it's, through it. I don't, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I don't even want to say it's toxic necessarily, but it is a microdose or a big dose, depending on who you are, a validation in one moment. And Zach, like you said, it could fall through entirely. Maybe, maybe Instagram doesn't throw that post out like you wanted them to. And then you get less likes and then you're sitting there questioning your own integrity or yes. who you are based on three to seven likes. And, then, and girl, yes. when, when did I wake up and say I wasn't a grown man? And I feel like it's the same thing I used to do with working out. I used to work out for others. Now I work out for me to feel good about me. Yeah. When I post now, and it's been a journey, and I'm not gonna say I never struggle with it, but now I've learned that like you post when you do, when you want, because you're in your thing. And I'm sharing it, and I keep viewing it this way. I view, I, I share it with my good friends, and I know who they are, and they see it, yeah. and we'll talk about it. And if a lot of people pick it up, awesome. And if they don't, yeah. okay. But it actually has more to do with some algorithm and something than a reflection of who I am. But that has Jake. I don't know. I don't know if you do this. This is definitely. Uh, this is definitely toxic. But I'll. I'll put a number on it. So I'll be like, oh, I want three likes a minute, four likes a minute, and I'll do really? the math. Woo! Bitch, if it's not performing, I'll pull it down. Wow. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Okay, yeah. be real with me. How many have you pulled down before? Do you know? Probably like 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. I used to, I, I really, really mean this in a good way. I used to struggle with those things, right? And I, I took social media breaks, and I forced myself to be like, what am I doing this for, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know what? 
the people who love me love me and this is my vehicle to kind of almost like personal blog. Now with the Gaily Dose, I view it very differently. I view this as a vehicle to try to get a really important message out there and, um, and make a real conversation and be authentic people that are talking about real shit like this that we all struggle with. Um, and you know, think about it, gay men who don't have kids like me who may not have a partner, like your whole world is like, am I with the right friends or am I with a, the, am I gonna find a good date? You know, um, there's a lot more emphasis or pressure that might be on using your social media to build a brand and, and find a person or find the right friends. And that sounds, that feels to me like a ton of pressure if I was a younger gay. And I just encourage you that the, there's nothing like one-on-one -on -one interaction sure, sure. you know you meet yep. people all the time in the gay community that look one way and when i talk to them i'm like this was disappointing yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. you are so right about that no matter how much you want to present um online unless you are working on yourself you're gonna still come across like a, a piece of shit in person i'm sorry to say that but that happens to me all the time i'm like oh well, there's this guy who's really attractive i he looks really cool he look, puts out some really great content and then i meet him in person and I, he can't even hold a conversation yeah. so like i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say that in a mean way but it's like going back to like downloading the software like work on yourself while simultaneously working on your hardware your body and your self-image right and and your and your online presence yeah, I would say that, um, you know, motive is one of the things we never see. You can never know motive until you talk to someone. And so we never know the motive of anyone just based on some pictures or videos. You know, get to know the person, really reach out to them in person and get to know them. Um, that's what I've ultimately found is the best thing. But um, social media can also be a great thing. I mean, I get, I enjoy, which, I, well, you, I guess you can slide someone's DMs or actually meet them or call them. Uh, a lot of younger people default to these sort of like, let me just talk to you in like messages. Yeah, and I'm that's, like, a, that's the extent. Yeah, and I'm like, who are you though? Yeah. Like, you know, sadly, I mean, I shouldn't say sadly, but like, this is the 21st century. So we yeah. have created a new medium in which to connect. And I know some people who have met in person after knowing somebody online for such a long time, and they think that constitutes their bond. When to me, I, I look at it the way you and um, Zach look at it. I'm like, no, I gotta get to know you in person. I gotta see this chemistry. Social media is just that wall, and catfishing can be a very real thing within that wall, whether it's romantic or friendship, or just a facade. Yeah. For me, I'd like to think of my Instagram specifically and my YouTube page as hopefully just like a portfolio for where I want to be within a career, yeah. mostly. And I, I lightly intertwine who I am and like the people I love in there and sometimes my body. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm very entertained when I go there. I've been a few times just be like, oh my gosh, she's funny and, and great. And I loved when we first talked, you asked me about what, you know, what my goal was with the Gaily Dose. I just want to be a flash in the pan. Absolutely not, right? I want us to, to bring some real message that people can learn from and, and live from. But I will just encourage you dolls as you think about this that um, you know it is a hard world out there already. As a straight person, it's hard on social media. Um, in the gay world, it's a little bit more amped up, particularly in our gay male um, hormone-charged environment. And it's just something you gotta make sure you're navigating through and really keeping good mental health around. Love. Yeah. I could not agree more. Yeah. Well, I think Amen. 
Anything else you want to add, Zach? I'm good. That was great. Okay. All right. And that was a dose of social media. Hey, it's Zach. My personal friends Shelly and Gary Elliott are huge allies and supporters of the Gailey Dose. They're also the primo real estate agents in luxurious Hilton Head. Whether you're looking for a primary or investment home, they are the team for you. Check them out at Elliott.realestate. That's Elliott, two T's, two L's, or call them at 770-639-1174. That's 770-639-1174. Ringling dingling, I think someone called for Dr. Dose. Dolls, welcome to Dr. Dose. I got my equipment ready and my prop. You guys, Dr. Dose, as you know, is you calling in to get the advice from us. We are the doctor. We relay you your symptom, and we're going to get you those meds that you need. As always, we want you to call in with any advice that you need to 323-673-1474. That was 323-673-1474. Our caller today is a little lad named Kevin from Jonesboro. Kevin, let's hear what's going on. Hey, Gailey Does. This is Kevin from Jonesboro, Georgia. I was curious. I'm recently in talks with a guy that I am pretty into, and I'm trying to figure it out. Should I wait to have sex with them to make things feel a little bit more serious, or does that even matter? Let me know, dolls. Love ya. Mwah. Love you. Mwah, Mwah Kevin. Tell me this is not like the... Um, complete sex in the city question, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you're with your girls and you're like, do you go down on the first date? Does it all drop or does it not? Great question, Kevin. I think in the gay world, it'll spell out a little different. For me, I think it is all about chemistry. I think it's a level of, do you feel seriousness there? If the heat's there, maybe don't stop the heat from happening if it feels natural and it feels right. I think your relationship with that person, your interaction, is the number one item that'll indicate how serious and how meaningful it is. I don't know what you think. Me? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little bit older, obviously. I think um, I remember times when the, heat, the heat's easy to turn on with me. Like, you get the oh, right <laughs> you get the right person, you get the right... It's just, I'll be like, woo! Um, but I have learned that, like, hey, the heat's one thing, but, like, am I really into this person, right? Am I reading them? Are they respectful? Do they have goals that are aligned? Like, I think because my goals are with a relationship focus, less than just, like, getting it on, mm -hmm. I think it's good to know that lens. Sometimes you just want to get it on. That's all I want to do, right? Fine. But for me personally, I kind of want to make sure like, hey, like, is this going to go somewhere or not? Because a lot of men I find are after the hunt or they're after the, you know, they kind of have their, they, they've tasted and they're like, good, I'm good. And that's a very male thing. Like, it's like a, I've met this need. I'm good to go. So interesting. I wonder what you think waiting would provide in the realm of seriousness. Um, I've only observed it with some gays. Some gays have done it and there's no problem. They're like, boom, boom, and they keep, they found the right person that yeah. they gel with. I've known some gays that have waited a few times and then they really know each other. So they're not just, it's not just a wham bam, thanks for yeah. dinner, right? But they actually have a connection because some people, I mean, you're the type of person over dinner, you're going to make sure there's a connection. Right? Make sure. Holy shit. Or you're going to be like, peace out. And some Correct. guys may not be able to do that. You know? What do you think, Zach? Wait, Zach, do you oh, smash on the first day or do you kick him out the door? Holy shit. 
<laughs> I love you, Jake. Um, we have some dueling doctors, it seems. We do. We sure do. We sure do. That's Dr. Dad. We sure do. <laughs> um, I will have to agree. Um, not that I don't see valid points on both sides, but I'll have to agree with Helmut. I think that one... I'm also coming from somebody who's older than Jake as well. I think, I think people that are older, they realize that it is sometimes more important to feel an emotional connection before jumping into bed with somebody. Plus it makes you look a little bit less slutty um, and look, maybe looking for something more, uh, more intimate and a lot more long-term. But I will also say, like Helmut said, the younger generation, I feel like, doesn't really put a lot of stock into that so yeah. it just depends on we just kind of feel it out yeah. it's hard it's hard i will maybe edit it this way my my two cents and then i'll let you give your final yeah. diagnosis i think that um it depends what you're looking for correct right but i will say hey if all the other things are there i'm feeling the chemistry and they're meeting these other areas and i'm like hey this is good then I'm all about it. Smash the first time. Like, I don't care. Correct. I think mine was led from experience. Uh, I've, I've gotten into some serious relationships where it just popped off night one, baby. But who's to say, what would it hurt if you waited two days? Right? So, Kevin, I think if you're even questioning it, my diagnosis to you is maybe give it two dates. And if that heat is still blazing, I think there can absolutely be seriousness held after two dates, smashing on that third date, whatever it is. Either way, we are so glad that you called in, Kevin. This was Dr. Dose, and I hope you take your medication, okay? Green light, red light, pow! It's gays that play. All right, so I'm supposed to take over this one, but the intro, I can't really do a lot because we're going to pull a card in the actual studio and... <laughs> yes, yes, I've got, I've got this little group of cards here that we kind of pre-selected, and I'm going to pull from one of them and read it out loud. So, dolls, what's the one thing you used to love to do as a kid that you no longer do, and Why? Ooh. One thing you used to do as a kid that you no longer do, and why? This one's a, what I would call a thick thinker. A where thick you need, thinker. You need a couple milliseconds All on right. the dial. I will, I'll answer this I'll one go, straight up. Okay. You got it? You got it? No, straight you, you up. Know, you got it? Straight up, okay. Dolly Parton. Hit All me. right. No, so mine is, um, I used to sing and play piano. And, um, and if I was really lucky, I'd do both. And I just found as an adult that that is not as... It's a lot of time. It's a commitment if you're going to be in a chorus or, you know, do the piano time. I'm working on things like the dose or my kids or whatever, right. but I can see myself picking those things up again. There's not a damn time in my life where I'm not singing, and I was doing <laughs> that at age four, so never left my body. Cars, I also still have, like, such a fascination with. Loved Matchbox, Hot Wheels, still love cars today. I think the one thing I can point to is I used to throw my body down a flight of stairs in gymnastics. Okay, okay. I used to compete in gymnastics, and when I'd get home from gymnastics, I was flipping over a couch, swinging from a chandelier, Sia. I no longer can do that for obvious reasons. I'll say the one way it's translated is I consider myself quite the athlete today, so not throwing my body in a circle, but I'm throwing my body down a track. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some things carry on nice. a little bit. Zach, what about you, baby? Um, I will actually kind of go 
towards what Helmut was saying. I used to be a musical theater major. I used to love to sing. I love to dance. Um, unfortunately, just with you know work and time and starting businesses and doing a podcast, um, it's just not not able to be done. Um, plus, I've gotten it's weird. I've gotten a lot more timid since I've grown up. I I don't feel like I could ever go back on stage, but I'd probably give it a try. And then I think my other one would be eating whatever the fuck I wanted because I used to uh, like I love sweets yeah. and I can't eat yeah. sweets every day. Baby, that's just a anatomy thing right there for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But that's back to that whole pressure about how you look. Yeah. <laughs> I want I want to like myself in the mirror. I also want to live more than 10 years, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dolls everywhere unite. It's the call to Kiki. The one and done. The call to Kiki. I get to lead this one? Yeah. Perfect. Um, I think that vulnerability and talking about mutual um, issues is really important when it comes to taking away stigma, taking away shame, taking away, uh, you know, just making things more normal. And I think even just talking to you guys about like, hey... I obsess over social media um, or like I count how many likes I get per minute um, really like took away some of the stigma and some of the shame in myself. And so for this week's call to Kiki, I encourage you and your friends to get together and talk about these sorts of things. You know, what, what do you struggle with? What do you post online? What do you not post online? What do you take down? Has that ever happened to you? Do you count the likes? Do you care about the likes? I think these are all important questions to ask your friend, and I it's it, it's an excuse to get together and kiki with the girls. Yeah, it's a great idea, and you're right. You know, the more we share about it, the less the less stigma it has. Thank you, Zach. Such a good call to kiki. Of course. Thanks. Yeah. And dolls, with that, we have wrapped up our second episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. I'll remind you, you know, we we are living in a time where there's no guidebook, right? There's not like the holy Bible of gay. We are all trying to figure out how to live this life to the best of our ability. And we have an opportunity to do some great things if we just apply our brains to it and our hearts. And I don't know about you, but a lot of gays I know are some of the most sensitive and caring people that I know. And I just think it's a real opportunity. So don't miss an opportunity to do that for yourself in 2022. Remember, love yourself, love others, and remember to smile. Peace out. Bye, babies. Thanks for tuning in, doll. Email us at feedback at thegailydose.com your thoughts on this episode or DM us on any of our social media platforms at The Gailey Dose Pod. Remember, we'd love to hear from you on Dr. Dose, 323-673-1474. Thanks, loves. <laughs>